Hi guys, welcome back to season four, episode twenty-one of Melon Girl Crime Podcast, and today is Happy Black History Month. So today I'm gonna be honoring those of the great, what great African creators of our time. Now, what I will be going over today is Sydney Portier, who um, paved the way for Black actors in film. Um, he died um, at the age of ninety-four, the first Black performer to win the Academy Award for Best Actor for Lily's Field. Um, Mr. Porter once said he felt as if he was made representing 15, 18 million people with every move he made. Um, Sidney Porter uh, won the Academy Award for the 1963 film, Lilia Field, made him the first black performer to win the Best Actor category. He rose to prominence when the civil rights movement was beginning to make headway in the United States. Sidney Porter, who portrayed of resolute heroes in films, won, uh, in films like Two, Sir with Love and Key of the Night and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner established him as a Hollywood's first Black main teen idol and helped open the doors for Black actors in the film industry. Um, he died on Thursday night at his home in Los Angeles at the age of 94. Um, his death was confirmed by one of his directors, General of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in the Bahamas, where Mr. Porter grew up and no cause was ever given. Um, Mr. Porter, who you know won the award for Lily of the Film, Lily of the Fields. Um, you know, I think during that time where it makes him rose prominent when the civil rights movement was beginning its headway in the United States, his goals tended to reflect the peaceful um, interrogation goals of struggle. Although often Samory re- represented anger, his characters responded to the injustice with quite determination. They met hatred with reason and forgiveness, sending a reassuring message to my audience and exposing Mr. Porter to attacks as a Uncle Tom when the civil rights movement took a more military turn in the late 1960s. Um, it was a choice, a clear choice, he said, uh, on his film's part in the 1967 interview. It's the fabric of a society were different. I would scream to the high heavens to play villains and to deal with different image of Negro life. That'd be more dimensional, but I will be damned if I do this at a stage of the game. At the time, Mr. Porter was one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. A top box office drawn ranking among five males in the box office magazine poll, theater owners, and critics. He was, was behind only Richard Burton, Paul Newman, Lee Marvin, and John Wayne. Yet racial squeamish would not allow Hollywood to cast him as a romantic lead despite his good looks. To think of American Negro male in romantic social sexual circumstances is difficult, you know, he told out an reader, and the reason why our legions are too many to go into. Mr. Porter often found himself in limiting, limiting sanity roles that nevertheless represented importance on advance on the demeaning past or parts offered by Hollywood in the past. In No Way Out, that came out in 1950s, his first substantial film role. He played a doctor persecuted by a racist patient, and in Cry the Beloved Country, 1952, based on Alan Payton's novel about racism in South Africa, he appeared as a young priest. His character in Blackboard Jungle, 1955, a troubled student at a tough New York City public school, sees the light and eventually slides with Glenn Ford, the teacher who tried to reach him. In The Defiant One, that came out in 1958, a racial fable that established him as a star and earned him an Academy Award nomination for the best actor. He was a prisoner on the run, handcuffed to a fellow convict and racist played by Tom by Tony Curtis. The Best Actor Award came in 1964 for his performance in a low-budget film, Lily of the Fields, as it iterates Handyman helping a group of German nuns build a church in the Southwest Desert. 
1967, Mr. Porter appealed in three Hollywood top-grossing films, elevating him to the peak of his popularity. And the he and Knight played his opposite, Rod Stern, an indulgent bigot sheriff with whom Virgil Tibbs, the Philadelphia detective played by Mr. Porter, must work on a murder mystery investigation in Mississippi. And then, um, in Two Love, in Two Sir with Love, he he was a concerned teacher in a tough London high school. And in Guess Who's Coming Together, a tabby breaking film about an interracial couple, he played a doctor whose race tested the liberty principle as prospective in-laws, played by Spencer Tracer and Catherine um, Hartburn. Throughout his career, a heavyweight of racial significance bore down on Mr. Porter and the characters he's played. He quoted, I felt very much as if I was representing 15 18 million people with every move I made, he once wrote. Mr. Porter grew up in the Bahamas, but he was born on February 20th, 1927 in Miami, where his parents traveled regularly to sell their tomato crops. The youngest of nine children, he wore clothes made from flower sacks and never saw a car looked in a mirror or tasted ice cream until his father Reginald moved the family from Cat Island to Nase in 1937 after Florida banned the imports of Bahama tomatoes. And I think one thing that's kind of interesting for me for do here's a legend like Sidney Porter is that he tried so hard like to make a name for himself and also pay a bill for many actors that we see now on the screen. I think you know hearing his story as he tried so hard to make sure like whatever role he was given that they weren't given like a negative like stereotype like he tried to make sure you know that our voices were heard especially on film where you didn't see that very often during those times and I think that's very important because I think you don't really see a lot because it's not something you see on a daily basis and I think um, one of the things that I realized that it's important to have representation where it's valued, especially to hear the voices that you don't like see, or often push the text to the background. And I feel like he did just that. And I feel like, um, for me, I am Porter. He was 12. He quit school, became a water boy for a crew of pickup and travel laborers. He began getting to mischief, and his parents were worried about him becoming a juvenile delinquent. So they sent him to Miami when he was 14 to live with his married brother, Cyril. And Mr. Porter had known nothing of segregation growing up on Cat's Island, so the ruling governed American black people in the South came as a shock to him, a big culture shock. It, he, he once quoted in an interview, it was all over the place, like barbed wire, he later said, American racism, as I kept running into it and uh, lacerating myself. In less than a year, he fled from Miami for New York, Ryan with $3 and change in his pocket. He took on jobs washing dishes, working as a ditch digger, waterfront laborer, and delivery man in the Garvin districts. Life was grim. During a race ride in Harlem, he was shot in the leg. He saved his nickel so that he could, so that on cold nights he could sleep in a paid toilet. In late 1940, Mr. Poor lied about his age and enlisted in the army, becoming an orderly with the 26th Medical Detachment at a veterans hospital on Long Island. Feeling on a medical disorder, he obtained a discharge in 1947 and returned to New York, where he read in the Amsterdam News that the American Negro Theater uh, was looking for actors. His first audition was a flop. With only a few years of schooling, he read hastily in a heavy Western Indian accent. Frankert O'Neill, a founder of the theater, showed him the door and advised him to get a job as a dishwasher. Unaltered, Miss Porter brought a regular and practiced speaking English as he heard it from various of the staff announcers. A kindly fellow worker at the restaurant where he watched just helped him with his reading. Miss Porter finally won a place in the theater acting school, but only after he volunteered to work as a janitor without pay. Luckily, his break came when another actor of the theater, Harry 
Belfont did not show up at rehearsals attended by a Broadway producer. Mr. Porter took the stage instead and was given a part in an all-black production of La Cisaturita. If I'm pronouncing that right, if I'm not, I'm sorry. In 1946, although panned by the critics, it led to a job with road production of Annie Lukatis. No Way Out was followed by a sprinkling of films and television roles, but Mr. Porter still bounced between acting jobs and menial work. In 1951, he married Junetta Mary Harder, a dancer and a model whom he divorced in 1965. They had four daughters, Beverly, Pamela, Shear, and Gina. In 1976, he married Jonas Smuck, his co-star in The Lost Man, 1969 film, about a gang of black militants plying through a factory. They had two daughters, Akina and Sydney. Miss Sinecus survived him. His daughter, Gina uh, Patrice Porter, Jordy, died in 2018. Um, and I think, you know, uh, after like his uh, breakout films like Blackboard, Jungle, and The Defiant One, Miss Porter's fate was tied to Hollywood. His purpose was to expand the boundaries of racial tolerance. Um, he once said the explanation for my career was that I was an instrumental for those few filmmakers who had a social conscience. In the defiant one and key of the night, radical politics conceded with meaty roles just as often Howard Miss Porter found himself playing virtuous messengers, often of radical harmony in man case films like Patch of Blue, or taking on race neutral roles in less memorable films like a newspaper reporter in the Cold War novel drama The Bedford Incident in 1965. Simone of Cryon in the greatest story ever told in 1965, or the former cavalry sergeant in Duel at Diablo, that came out in 1966. Um, Defiant One remained one of Miss Porter's favorite films, but to get that part, he had to cross swords with Samuel Godwin, who was assembling a cast for Porgy and Bess. After Mr. Belfon turned down the role of Porgy as demeaning, Mr. Goldwyn set his sights on Mr. Porter, who was also regarded in the musical as an insult to black people. As Mr. Porter told it in his lively, unusual Frank for Memoir of the Life, 1980, Mr. Goldwyn pulled strings to ensure that unless Mr. Porter played Porgy, the director of Selma Comer would not hire him for the divided ones. And Mr. Porter, you know, see this as an inertical. He's like, I didn't enjoy doing it. He said, I had not yet completely forgiven myself, he told the New York Times in 1967. The critics, who later accused him of bowing and scraping before the whites happened, seemed to dismiss Mr. Porter, long, long, long-standing outspoken advocacy for racial justice and civil rights movement, mostly visible as part of the Hollywood conceded that took part in 1963 March on Washington. Early in his career, he associated with left-wing cause and his friendship with the radical singer after a Paul Rubin made him politically risky proposition for film and television producers. His style, however, remained low-key and non-confrontational as most parts of as from my part in all this, he wrote, all I can say is that there's a place for people who are angry and defiant, and sometimes they serve as a purpose, but they never been my role. In 1959, Mr. Porter made a try to return to Broadway's Lorraine Hansby, A Raisin in the Sun, winning eccentric reviews. Mr. Porter is a remarkable actor with enormous power that is always under control. Um, Brooks and Ingston wrote in the New York Times. Cast as the relentless son, he vividly communicated the turmoil of a high-strung young man. He is eloquent when he has nothing to say, as well as the pungent line to speak. He can convey devious process of thought as graphically as he can clown and dance. Mr. Porter repeated the role in the 1961 film version of the play. While the rise of black filmmakers like Gordon Parks and Melvin Bell Peel in the late 1960s, early 70s, Mr. Porter now is in his 40s turned to directing and producing. He proposed the idea for the romantic comedy For Love of Ira in 1968. 
which it starred Abby Lincoln after joining with Paul Newman and Barbara Streisand in 1969 to form a production called The First Artist. He directed the Western Buck and the Preacher in 1972, in which he acted opposite of Mr. Belfont in a series of comedy novels films such as Uptown Saturday Night, Let's Do It Again, in which Porter and Bill Cosby teamed up to play a pair of scheming ne'er do wells and in the film Store Crazy in 1980 with Richard Porter and Jen Wilder. The critics thought little of Mr. Porter directing talents, but enthusiastic audience black and white made all three box office films a hit neither audience nor critics found much to like in these directorial efforts like the comedy panky panky in 1982 with mr rodder and glenn rodder or ghost dad 1990 with Cosby as a dead father who refused to leave his three children alone um in later years mr poor turned to solid performance in forgettable action films and thrillers like shoot to kill Lenakita and Sneakers. It was television that proved him with two of his grandest roles. In 1991, he appeared in the lead role in the ABC drama Separated but Equal, a dramatization of a life Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall. In 1997, he delivered a widely praised performance in Nelson Mandela in Mandela and D. Click, a television movie focusing on the final years of Mr. Mandela's imprisonment by a white minority government in South Africa, Michael Caine, in the role of President F. W. D. Clark. Sidney Porter and Nelson Mandela merged with extending ease, like a double exposure photograph in which one image is laid over the other with perfect symmetry. Siamma James wrote an interview in the New York Times. And in <clears throat> 2002, Mr. Porter was given an honorary Oscar for his career works in the motion picture. The same Oscar ceremony, Denzel Washington became the first black actor that Mr. Porter to win the Best Actor Award for Trained. He received a Kennedy Center honor in 1995. In 2009, President Barack Obama cited his relentless devoted devotion to breaking down barriers and awarded him the President Medal of Freedom. Mr. Porter was nominated by Queen Elizabeth II in 1974. In Mr. Porter's memoir, The Life Was Followed by a Second, The Measure of a Man in 2000, subtitled A Spiritual Autobiography. <clears throat> Included Mr. Porter's thoughts on life, love, acting, and racial politics. It granted a sequel, Life Beyond Measures, later to my great granddaughter in 2008. Despite his roles in changing America's perception of race and opening the door to new generations of black actors, Mr. Porter remained modest about his career. He once stated, History will pinpoint me as merely a modern element in ongoing major events. A small, if necessary, energy, he wrote, but I am nonetheless gratified at the having chosen and I think him hearing him say that like he's been through a lot of films I think you know as you know he has passed away he is gone I think his legacy will still move on and I think overall you know that he will never be forgotten <clears throat> and I think you know as he got later on he tried to do more and more than eventually his children you know will continue on his legacy, whether it be through acting or just continuing to um, have his name be for charity events or just, you know, have some way of moving on. But, you know, later on, you know, health issues became a problem. The late actor, you know, suffered from dementia and cancer for years. Um, and then he experienced heart failure in the hours before his passing. Um, but having him act for 76 years, you know, all these films will always be a design of his career. And, you know, be the first man in history, first black man in history to win an Academy Award for Best Actor categories.
I think it's something that no one would ever would accomplish if he did if he wasn't the first one to pave the road to begin with. So I think, you know, to pay our respect to him, he was a great man that lived a great life and he will never be missed. But hopefully y'all enjoy the segments of, you know, talking about African American history and you know, and I can't wait to to discuss more uh, many great talents in African history for Black History Month. But take care. Hope to hear from y'all real soon. And let me know all the important African American people you want me to discuss next on the podcast. But until then, I'll see you real soon. Bye.